If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? So let me take you back to where Back to the Kevin and HJ podcast. Today, I have a really, really special podcast. Um... We've been trying to get this together for a long time, especially me and Andrew. Andrew Ramondi is joining me, but we have a third guy in our podcast today. Um, Andrew, you want to do the honors and introduce the new guest? Kevin Wu, Chris Cardone, <laughs> March Madness, the Pirates, go a little. Man, man. <laughs> so Chris Cardone is joining us. Um, Chris is a good law school buddy of ours, and he loves college hoops and what better way to introduce him to the podcast other than to break down, obviously, the best tournament in the world, March Madness. So, Chris, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, joining us today and talking about NCAA hoops. Well, Kev, thanks for having me. Andrew, Bill Raff, thanks for the introduction. Yes, thank it's, you. It's uh, good to be here, and I think we're uh, just going to take our normal lunchtime conversations and uh, apply it here to this pretty professional production we have here so it's the best time of the year and i'm excited to talk some hoops so me and andrew were debating whether or not to just come straight out of the gate and talk about st john's and get uh chris going about <laughs> chris going about get going about all the stuff that we've been talking about in our group chat but we're what we want to do today and talk about and talk about the tournament in terms of breaking down big themes first of all and getting people situated um, whether they want to bet on games later this week. We'll talk about different odds, and we'll be making our picks as well um, for certain games and probably give our Final Four teams a uh, national championship team, and we'll kind of go from there. But, yeah, prepare to we'll – we've been debating about this, like, all weekend, really hyped, hyped about it. And for all the listeners that are listening, just because Chris – me or, a or Andrew make a really bad take. There's 68 teams in the, in the tournament, so it's really hard to watch every single team. So um, I have an interesting stat for you to, okay. to open up here as it pertains to everyone, I'm assuming, who's listening to this will fill out a bracket. So in the past, uh, so this is the past four years, the amount out of the amount of brackets, people to pick three of the four final four teams, not all four, Three of the four. 2018, 2.22%. 2017, 1.6%. 2016, 1.84%. 2015, it was actually 24%, but that was the year like Didn't Kentucky. Go chalk. Yeah. yeah, like I think three of the number one seeds made it. So, I mean, this is such an imperson. It's such a stupid fucking uh, like pro to even try and do this, but you know. It's yeah, fun, and so. I always thought the uh, you know the Warren Buffett thing where he'd give you like a billion dollars yeah. if you. I don't think he does that anymore. Not but anymore, but it was like a billion dollars if you got the perfect bracket, which is like one in nine quintillion, which is like eighteen zeros after the one. So it's ridiculous to even think that you're gonna get anything close to the perfect bracket. So it's kind of fun. We'll kind of give some tips on how to do well on your office pools and things like that as well. So the first thing I did want to talk about is, all you know, we talk about when the bracket first comes out, obviously w we look at who got overseeded, who got underseeded, 
Um, did you guys see any discrepancies when looking at the bracket when watching it on CBS and, and, and Seth Davis is kind of going off doing his thing? I thought the show was a million times better this year, so I was just right off the bat appreciative of that. Um, I, I think we're going to get to it about how conference tournaments don't really seem to matter as much, particularly with what happened to Michigan State. Um, as far as the last four in, St. John's barely making it in under 500 conference record. Um, you know, over NC State, I think it's tough. There are a lot of other teams that, that also are on the bubble there or possibly putting mid-majors in. Um, don't you think winning. it? Go sorry, ahead. sorry to cut you off, but don't you think it's kind of cruel to like have CBS show the last or the first four teams that are out being like, "Hey, basically you're this close to making it," but sorry, what they do, do avoid that is good. You know how they cut to uh, like uh, they don't have as many bubble teams as they used to, but they'll cut to like uh, Wofford's gym and like the whole team going crazy. Right, right, right. I would love they would never do this because I think it's too cruel. But I would love a cut to <laughs> NC State <laughs> watching the like. I think if you're in that last six, they should have a camera. Maybe even we get a split screen with NC State and St. John's and, and like you know something like that. Who I would like the higher drama there. But uh, yeah, I uh, Chris makes a good point. First with NC State and St. John's, I wanted to bring. This to your attention, I thought this was interesting. This year, the NCAA instituted this mysterious new net uh, kind of ranking system it, to replace RPI, which had kind of become more and more irrelevant over the years. And it's based a lot on schedule and the quality of teams you beat. St. John's 73 net, NC State was 33 net. A team that was interestingly favored in the metrics that people weren't talking about on the bubble I felt was interesting was Clemson. They were like in the 30s in net and 29 in Kemp Bomb, so. Penn State was in the 40s in the net. They were 14 and 18 this year. Yeah, so it, it's it's pretty interesting. And as you said, th I'm really confused. I don't know, Chris, maybe you have a, I'm really confused by the by the Michigan State seeding. Like, I, I, I just don't understand why, because they were placed, if, if people don't know, they were placed in the bracket with Duke, the overall number one seed, right. which ostensibly means they're the worst, worst two seed. Michigan... Who they beat three times this year? Sweat. Yeah, so I I really don't that that really makes no sense to, to me. To me, it just seems like these guys are basically submitting their bracket last weekend, and not even they're like sitting on their hands watching the turn the conference tournaments or basically sleeping through them and not taking anything to account. Like if you think about it, Marquette's ranked higher than Villain or. Er, Technically ranked higher than Villanova. Yeah. They're a five. I think Villanova's a six. Underseeded six, Villanova's. Right, exactly. So you see thing discrepancies like that. You you brought up Michigan State. It doesn't make sense to me as to why the tournament committee did this. In terms of do you guys feel like there was one team that didn't make the tournament like an NC State? UNC Greensboro is tossed around a lot. Um, Lin Linscombe was tossed around. You couldn't tell. I know, and all the players on Linscombe, by the way, I pronounced the <laughs> name. So I think you're adding an M in there. I think it's <laughs> Lipscomb. Yeah, Lipscomb. Lipscomb. Okay, Lipscomb. They are probably a little Limpscomb today <laughs> after not making it in, but yeah. So, do you guys feel like there's any other? T there are any teams that 
deserve to make it over a team that made it into I mean this kind of opens the floor for well we've already opened up with St. John's as this team on the chopping block and the funny thing is as bad as their numbers are in metrics and they were under 500 in the Big East I'm fairly confident that they can do damage and you know there's a there's a legitimate path for them to make the sweet 16 even as the last team in so it's not that they're not a good basketball team, but if we're going to bring out, we're going to roll out this new net or these other metrics that we want to use and then not go by them or not really seem to care about them. I don't really understand what their purpose is because at the end of the day, coaches, particularly from what my experience is as a Seton Hall fan, is they really want to set up a non-conference schedule that is going to put them in a good place come March. And if they don't have the guidance that they need to have the results that would put them in a position to – get a good seed in March, then, then what are they doing? Because the coaches, they play a large role in scheduling. And they, you know, if you can just line up 15 cupcakes for yourself in November and December and not really worry about it, then they're going to do that. And I don't want to see that. I want to see high major teams challenge themselves and some of the smaller teams get a chance to, to knock off some of these teams early in the season. And I think that that kind of doomed NC State. I think I read a stat somewhere that they lacked that non-conference schedule. They were last in the nation rank in terms of ranking of their non-conference schedule. Just because the ACC is so strong, I think that's where a bulk of the strength of their net came, net rating came from or ranking came from. So you look at those teams, and then you look at like high major teams like Texas, Alabama. They just had too many losses. Like and. Are you really going to take a 16 and 16 Texas team over a team that went 29 and four or 27 and six or whatever it was? It's it's really hard to justify justify some of those um, teams taking the high major teams over these mid major teams, and then you get into like these philosophical debates about these mid-major teams wanting to play high-major teams, but these high-major teams not wanting to take these games because they don't s feel like there's any gain for them, whereas the mid-major teams have everything to play for. So it doesn't matter if the mid-major coach wants to be playing the best competition, but none of these teams want to play them. So I don't know, I don't know how you really solve that other than offering tons and tons of money to be able to schedule games. Like that. Yeah, I thought what you said was interesting because I feel like there's almost kind of a double standard there because out-of-conference schedule should matter, but also how you do in-conference should matter. And you saw a lot of these teams from your Ohio States to your St. John's basically have 500 or worse records in conference play. So, and I think they, the, the committee did a good job of splitting the proverbial baby this year because Belmont, who people didn't necessarily expect to get in, got in right right too so they did you know them as opposed to kind of an nc state or someone too so you know maybe we'll see what happens with the play-in games i feel like just anecdotally those power five teams who get in the play play-in game tend to have more success but well, by those metrics i think you would say south carolina was left out they were 11 and 7 in the sec but 16 and 16 overall they yeah. really got banged up in the out-of-conference play but they had a pretty respectable year in what was a pretty good SEC this yeah, year. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and I think it was seven SEC teams that ended up making it. So it, it shows that it you kind of need a little bit of everything in your profile, in your resume to be able to advance and to get into the tournament itself. Now, I, I did want to move on and talk about conference tournaments a little bit and how we've touched we touched upon it a little bit and saying that it doesn't seem like it m matters at all. Like yeah. nothing. It doesn't matter at all. Now, 
I would make the argument if the committee is determining teams in terms of their seeding the way they did and having teams being overseeded, underseeded based on the results of their regular season instead of anything that they did in the past week or so. If you're a coach, if you're, let's say, Jay Wright, and you you know, co- go to the Big East final, end up winning, and you get rewarded with a six seed and you see Marquette, they, they end up losing in the semis, get, they get a five seed. Don't you just take that extra game and be like, all right, boys, we're going to just kind of take it easy this game. We're going to relax a little bit, save our legs, get an extra day of rest. Because playing three games in three days is, is no easy task at all, especially if you're playing tough, tough games. I don't know. I mean, I guess that cuts the other way in terms of lacking competitiveness and things like that. And I don't know if that's what a coach really wants to do. But in the grand scheme of things, I would think rest is probably the most important thing around this time of year. What do you think, Chris? Because I have a take on this, but I'm interested in hearing your opinion. As a Big East fan, I don't have Marquette over Nova. I wouldn't seed them above Nova. Um, yeah, I think conference tournaments should matter for seeding, but I think what it comes down to is, is the people putting these brackets together are lazy, and they don't want to shuffle stuff together that much. Well, and I think there's also a uh, an overarching theme to everything we've been talking about, which is that they don't they maybe to their detriment try and look at things in such a hole that early stuff gets ends up maybe getting more weight over late stuff as you because I'm a fan of what have you done for me lately in that when it comes to the NCAA, when it comes to the NCAA tournament and in picking brackets and I want my team I just think of UConn in that Big East tournament you know whatever year that was I want my team playing I want us to win our conference tournament because I want that momentum I want to be playing our best basketball of the season come come March. Right. And I mean, I think that's where it becomes like it and and it changes from year to year with the the committee members because of all the different committee members that shuffle in and out and determining, okay, this is and I think this is the age old question, like what really matters to the committee men- members and that criteria ends up changing up every single year and these coaches feel like yeah what do we have to do to get a win here what do we have to do to actually get into the tournament and makes them confused well and that's the stupid thing about that net thing that i just pointed out the net was ostensibly this idea like we're gonna come up with this very unifying metric and then you didn't really use it so you know maybe it'll it'll take years but it's an imperfect science at the end of the day it's a bunch of ad's sitting around bullshitting, you know what I mean? It's not like, right, right, right. you know what I mean? It's That's not true. like they're these genius people like us who have who care about the metrics. Exactly, you know? that really understand college basketball. Yes. The so Big Ten tournament also finishes hours, like yeah. one hour before the bracket comes yeah. in. So how much reshuffling can you possibly yeah. expect them to make? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think that becomes fairly interesting for the future of the committee and seeing what how this net ranking and rating thing ends up playing into everything and wondering, does it even matter? So that's a question to be asked for years to come, and maybe there's a new, maybe RPI makes a comeback or whatever. <coughs> I don't know what ends up happening with that. Um and and there's just differences in in ratings too. Like I think, I think UNC Greens Greensboro they were 
their net ranking was a little low. Ken Palm does didn't have them really high. I right, think right. at the end of the day, UNC Greensboro was truly like they did not play anybody right, right. and they couldn't wreck. Right, up. right. So what I was going to say, though, is that their net ranking was low, but their RPI was high. Mm. So or their, it was in the 30s. It was like 31 yeah. or something. So it just become it's like, oh, how do you want to slice the baby and kind yeah. of like see what ends up happening here? And I don't know. It, I think it becomes really interesting. Now, the next thing I did want to get into. So we talked about snubs. We talked about conference tournaments, net ranking, the bullshit stat it is. Now, who do you guys think like how do you guys see this tournament playing out this year? Because. Obviously, last year we had the 16 seed upset the one. Loyola makes that crazy run to the Final Four. Do you guys envision something like that happening? A lot of upsets, a lot of things like that happening? Or do you kind of see it going chalk, one seeds, two seeds, going to the lead eight, and it just being like that in itself? I don't know if you guys had a take on that. I don't see a 16 over a one this year. Um, Gardner Webb yeah, <laughs> against I UVA. I don't know if I see it this year. Um, I think as far as the one seeds, I think Duke's got a great shot straight out to get into the Sweet 16. Um, yeah, ESPN came out with that article that they're the number one, or they're the highest, what, what was I going to say? They're the heaviest favorite. Right, they're yeah. the heaviest favorite since Kentucky's in 2015. 28% chance to win it all. Yeah, yeah, and and you kind of have to think like Zion, like he's just so yeah. Oh, for sure. And from a macro level, maybe I'd be interested to hear Chris's take on this too. I wonder if there will be an overcorrection from people thinking that there's going to be more craziness than there actually will be. Because when I I was talking to you about this, Kevin, before, and I'd be interested to see what Chris thinks about this too. You look at your one seeds and you have Duke, who I uh, I'm also have Nate's, uh, Chris's favorite guy, Nate Silver's uh, <laughs> projections up on 538. And he gives them the, the highest chance of winning the tournament also, or 538 does. But um, anyway, you look at your one seeds, you have Duke and UNC, you have, and then you have Gonzaga and Virginia, who are at the top of every metric, but are kind of these programs who historically have a reputation as maybe underperforming in the tournament right, right, sometimes. Right. So they're really interesting to, to debate, and I'd like to talk about them with you guys at some point too. But my thing is when I'm looking to these two, three, four, fives to look at like who who do I – who's jumping out at me to knock off a UVA, to knock off a Gonzaga, there isn't a lot of – Teams that don't have some sort of major major flaw to me. What about what about you, Chris? What do you what do you think? Yeah, well, your Duke stat, I'll accept that because they're not running for president, so we can cite uh, <laughs> we can cite <laughs> Nate Silver for the purposes <laughs> of this podcast. Um, I think from a macro level, Liberty College number twelve could be the could be the Trump. T- all right, forget <laughs> it, forget <laughs> it, forget <laughs> it, forget it. Um, I, I think from a macro level, if we're talking about a person that's filling out their bracket in a very large pool with a bunch of other people, and it's going to be whoever has the most points at, at the end after the national championship, you have to figure a lot of people are going to be taking Duke. A lot yeah. of people are going to have Virginia and North Carolina. 
So if you have one of those three teams as your national champion, you need to pretty much nail the rest of the bracket mm-hmm. because all of the other people in your pool that have that team winning it, yeah. that's going to be the differentiating. How many correct you have in the final four? How good is your Elite Eight? Did you get banged up in the first or second round? If you don't have one of those three teams, you're not really competing against that many other people in your pool, presumably. And then you maybe want to be a little more risk-averse and not have mayhem going on constantly. You still have to make the right picks. That's You have to do that in any bracket. But if you don't have one of those three, I think, I think that's going to comprise, maybe in a pool like that, half your brackets are going to have one of those three teams winning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. It's, it's probably going to be one of those three that a ton of people are going to be putting money on. It, is there like a team that maybe that aren't in the first two seeds that you could you guys see making a run into the final four? I don't know if you guys have any. No, I personally. have. I have a few. Well, I I would actually I would like to talk about that, but I'd like to go specific. Duke is Duke. I don't really know what there is to talk about Duke. That who do you think would be the number two? And po- will it be? How do you guys feel about UVA? Because I have a lot of mixed feelings on them uh, chris i don't know if you want to kick what how do you feel about uva broadly like i don't think they have a problem till the sweet 16 i really don't yeah i don't, I don't know about Ole miss and ou i i don't i don't think they're gonna have a problem with them and then once you're in the sweet 16 i don't think the other pod is that bad a lot of people we'll get to it are picking oregon to beat wisconsin uh kansas state has proven that they can make deep runs um and who's at the bottom it's tennessee so yeah I think they can make a deep run. So here's the thing, and I, I've always been skeptical of UVA over the years. Uh, Kevin, I'd be interested, it could, just has a broad kind of take, too. I've been skeptical of UVA over the years just because I feel like they're so... Rel- Defensively, obviously, there's always they're always solid, but their offense, I just feel like, is prone to these fits and stock starts, which is maybe just something that's in my mind. Uh by the metrics, they're, I think, the second most effective offense in the country. But I feel like they're prone to these games where maybe they go a little dry and that's when they get upset. Obviously, they lost to a 16 seed last year, but that was without Deon- DeAndre Hunter, right. uh, who's, uh, as us NBA fans, probably going to be a lottery pick lottery pick next year. So does, does that differentiate them at all? I was really looking to them, and then that uh, Florida State loss scared me a lot. But here, I kind of dug into it a little bit, and I, okay. I thought this was kind of interesting. So their loss to FSU, they went 5 of 24 from 3. FSU has the ninth best defense in the country. Mm-hmm. And the other two games they lost were the, were to Duke, I believe. Yep. So I think it's actually a little bit easier to rationalize. I think I agree with you. I have them in the Elite Eight, and then I'm not sure. I don't see them uh, the off the defenses they would possibly be playing Ole Miss, Oregon, or Wisconsin. Maybe Wisconsin a little bit more, but I'm not sure about them getting out of that game. And then K State or UC Irvine, uh, like there's no one in there that really scares me. So actually, I I see them probably probably cruising to the Elite Eight, and then I after that who knows? But Tennessee or Purdue, unfortunately, I've picked Purdue to go to Final Fours in so many of my brackets over the past few years, and they just haven't done it. I love Carson Edwards. He's maybe my favorite player to watch in the Big Ten, other than Bruno Fernando. But, uh, you know, it's tough. So so I kind of like the top seeds a little bit more than than I expected coming into this 
Yeah, I think I think there's a drop off after the top. I would say six to ten yeah. seeds or so, um, or in terms of like top six to ten seeds overall. Um, and then from there, you just kind of get the poo-poo platter of like, yeah. all right, maybe this team could get hot for two weeks and then make it make a run to the final four. And who knows? Like, I would say from seeds three on down, you kind of are like, yeah, I get you can rationalize them making a run and them getting hot. Like even Villanova over the big like the Big East tournament, like some of their freshmen grew up. And yeah, you're like Jay Wright. I was watching a Jay Wright interview not to cut you off, Chris. I don't know how you feel about this. He was saying we just didn't play a lot of games. Villanova basketball. We did not play a lot of games this year where we were playing Villanova basketball. Right, right. And he gave the party line. I think you we didn't expect to lose DiVincenzo. We didn't expect to lose Amari Spellman. And we had to find guys to, you know, fill those roles. I don't know if I buy the idea. What have they shown to me that? You know, I mean, they haven't shown they, they haven't shown or getting yeah. there. I don't know. Right. Exactly. I don't know if they've shown much. It's just you. They have the pedigree with the coach and things like that. They're in the bottom half of that South region. So I don't know. Like, I don't really see a huge challenger in terms of the bottom. Like, I would say from the top two seeds on down. You I don't know. How do you feel about Nova, Chris? You think they they can make a run? Yeah, I feel really good about Nova, actually. Jay Wright's absolutely dialed. I mean, well, Tennessee just got run off the court in Nashville. So yeah, I don't I feel good <laughs> yeah, about yeah. Tennessee. I don't feel good about Tennessee at all. Purdue, I remember one of the most my most satisfying March moments was I had Little Rock over Purdue. That was my junior <laughs> year of college. That was pretty sweet. That's pretty so cool. I'm actually not like you where I have just kind of had Purdue so far and then watched my entire bracket burn. It's burned elsewhere. Um, yeah, no, but that I think that speaks to why if we have Virginia not really getting a lot of resistance to the Sweet 16, who else is there in terms of, you know, avoiding a crash and burn like last year that they had? Yeah, I yeah, I guess there's not really anyone there. Vill- if Villanova <laughs> makes that surprise run, it seems like UVA has the easiest, I would say, path to the Final Four. Maybe Gun- Gonzaga has a pretty easy path. Yeah, so let's talk about too. Gonzaga. Also, okay. I I thought Gonzaga was an interesting case study. I don't, but Gonzaga and Virginia are the two teams right. I I've been thinking about the most. So I I have the most on them. So Gonzaga again, one of the most offensive effective offenses in the country. There were weird losses. They lost to St. Mary's in the conference tournament. They lo- the Zags uh the St. Mary's held them to 47 after losing to them by 48 6 weeks earlier. So this kind of smells like a fluke to me. I don't know if you remember a few years ago where Gonzaga went undefe- almost went undefeated into the regular season and went ended up going to the final four. They lost to BYU in that last game of the season. This actually seems to me l- closer to that than than anything else. They lost to Tennessee and UNC, beat Duke. But the other thing about that is they were all fair early in the season. I don't know how much stock to stock to take in that. Yeah, it's it was really early in the season, and even I mean I think that was Duke's one of Duke's only losses with Zion on the court. Yeah. I think so. Like, you can give him give them credit for that, and then are you going to take away credit for them losing losing early on in the season to UNC and Tennessee? It's it, I think it's just like a fruitless exercise in terms of trying to go through that. I think a lot of it comes down to at this time of the year is like you look at them the eye test like the 
do they look good? Like, do you think that they can win the tournament? And I, it's almost a gut reaction in that way. There's teams that I look at in this bracket where I'm like, oh, I don't believe it. I don't buy it at all. Yeah. But then there's teams where you're just like, all right, I can see this happening. Like, Gonzaga, I think I can, but what scares me is the lack of competition. This is every year with yes. Gonzaga. Like, does that lack of competition week in, week out hurt them as they go through the tournament? I mean, early on, it's not going to be terrible. I The, one, I'm, the I'm Syracuse game Okay, Chris, me. I was going to ask you about that. What do you think about facing the two? That scares me. And actually, I think Hughes knocked them off that year. I don't know if it's the year they went to the Final Four with Roberson and mm-hmm. all those guys. or But they've actually knocked off. And how do you feel about the 2-3 zone and the ability to... I don't know. What do you think about that? I I'd be very nervous. I do think it's going to be Syracuse, and I would be nervous if I was Gonzaga. In conference, though, Gonzaga, they set the record in terms of scoring margin mm-hmm. throughout the conference. The record ever mm. this year. I think they didn't get a lot of resistance in the West Coast Conference. St. Mary's is a good team. Yeah. San Francisco had an up year. BYU was not a traditional year for BYU. And the rest of the conference... Bleh. Meh. Right. Yeah, right. But so they did set the record. Yeah. So offlative, uh, inflated offensive numbers. Actually, you said I don't see it, and this isn't always. A t- this is a team I I'm confused about a lot. But FSU, they have a top ten defense in the country. If you get to the Sweet Sixteen, I, I I'm maybe looking at them. But the problem with FSU also, this is an interesting stat. Leonard Hamilton, three and eight against the spread as a favorite in the tournament and like 11 and one as an underdog so he does not do well in that kind of favored status so as you're looking at that first round game against the catamounts they've pulled off some historic ncaa upsets in the past and then uh a possible murray state i don't know how chris feels about that game uh or marquette you know i i kind of like them if they get there but i'm not sure they will right that's kind of the problem all right and I guess, all right, so what? where I wanted to go next, um, let's talk about specific regions. We touched upon pretty much every region so far, maybe except for the Midwest. But let's go region by region, talk about maybe if you guys have a game mm-hmm. that you, you like in the first round, highlight that, and then talk about it a little bit there. And then maybe we'll, we'll kind of go into Elite Eight, Final four type picks from Sounds that good. region. So let's go to the East. Duke is probably the prohibitive favorite in this region. We we mentioned that before. I have Duke going to the final four. I mean, I don't really see them losing here any like I Virginia Tech could be an interesting with Justin Robinson coming back, who's been out for a bit. He, they could give him a challenge in the Sweet Sixteen. But on the other side of things, don't love LSU. Don't I mean Louisville, Minnesota, Patino Bowl. That's going to be really fascinating. Michigan State, they're the hot team that's coming in, especially with them winning uh, the Big Ten tournament, Big Ten regular season. Those are all fascinating. I think I'm setting up the stage for Maryl- for you to talk about Maryland, Andrew, and to see w- how you like their chances. Well, let's save Maryland for last. I want to hear Chris's thoughts on if you think there's any worthy com- com- competition for Duke in this region. You know, a game I think could be interesting right off the bat. I mean, Duke, they, they have had a little trouble. As as much as people love betting on them, it's never been a sure thing going back since, I don't know, probably 10 years. I think in the second round, if UCF wins, 
with six seven taco fall down there in the center <laughs> it might require duke to have to shoot a little bit over the top mm. and we've seen mixed results yeah yeah that's probably the one thing that they've struggled with uh struggling with the shooting from the outside is i i think rj barrett and williamson are gonna get theirs it's the third guy that they like they really need trey jones or cam reddish to step up um, from the especially Cam Reddish, like I feel like he's been kind of absent in the he's past. He's been the odd man out out of yeah. that three, and I don't blame him really. I think it's tough to find. It's just been tougher to find his place. Obviously, Zion, his big strength is how much he can do pretty much no matter what. And Barrett, I I like him a lot, but I think he needs to have the ball in his hands to to be effective. And he's scoring at a he's scoring at a high volume, assisting at a high volume. And Reddish, I think, has kind of had to pick his spots a little bit more. I don't mm. know if they're going to figure that out really, but I don't know if it matters. Kind right, of. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I think that's the thing that they would they're going to really really struggle with if they're going to struggle with anything in this tournament is the outside shooting, like Chris mentioned. Are there any upset specials that you guys see in this? in this region because I see two potential ones that I really like. Liberty's been talked about ad nauseum, like with all the hoop heads basically circling that, basically writing that in pen that they're moving on through. The other one is Yale versus LSU. And LSU has a great team overall, but yeah. the Will Wade stuff is kind of like, you know, he's going to he might be going to jail. So like their coach is going to jail. There's a lot of turmoil going on. Maybe they come together and make a run. But whenever your your coach is embroiled in talks about getting locked up in federal p uh, prison, that's not a great look. So maybe Yale possibly makes pulls the upset there. Um, and they, it's not like they're real. They didn't really show anything non-conference wise. But you know. At this time of the year, you just never know what happens. And they lost. I mean, they th 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 they didn't look great in the conference tournament either. It's not like they're playing great basketball. So if you, I thought about Yale and and LSU also, and and Liberty. Those were the the two I was looking at. If you want to talk about UMD, a possible path to the Sweet Sixteen, you could also argue they got the better kind of play in matchup when it comes to Belmont and Temple as opposed to Arizona State St. John's. Temple's one of those teams that's really low in Kempom and stuff like that. I'm more nervous about Belmont. Belmont uh, scores a lot in transition, and that has been Maryland's Achilles heel throughout the whole season. They've turned it over on one-fifth of their possessions in conference play. I think they won the turnover margin in one game in conference play. So that's the big problem. And then, but once you look ahead to, to LSU, I ditto everything you've said. I'm actually more nervous about their f potential first round game than a game against LSU. If you look at overseeded teams, as per Kempom, LSU is one of the m biggest overseeds. They're a three seed and they're 18th in Kempom. So, you and know. Chris, you want to go off on Patino Bowl for a little bit? Like Louisville versus Minnesota. Is like Patino flying back from Greece as we as we <laughs> speak? We you love to get tail numbers on planes. We need the tail <laughs> number on that plane out of I, f I don't know where his team is. We'll be is, we'll be providing that in information in the, the in the description. Well, <laughs> the NCAA th they don't seed teams for storylines. So this is just <laughs> we just happen to have Louisville there at the seven, and I don't even know who coaches Minnesota. What I actually heard was Rick Pitino hasn't been back in the state of Kentucky since he's been gone. 
Wow. Think about that. Uh, the LSU pick, Kev, I've heard a lot of people say they're taking Yale. A lot of people. Uh, Ken Palm, their defense is not good. It's 149. Yeah, that's LSU the LSU is a guard, Tremont Waters. He's pretty good. He was a former senior all-target. He's good. Um, but they leaked big-time oil against Florida. They had a 10-point lead going in the second half against Florida and, and ended up losing that game in the SEC tournament. Are they going to miss Will Wade? I mean, it, it is a very talented team. I would agree that they are overseeded. It's an interesting thing that Belmont got in. Um, I think a lot of people would take them over Maryland if they weren't playing Temple in that play-in game. Mm. I think that would be a very popular pick if it was just a straight-up 6-11. And, and just to make – just to talk about the storyline with the play-in game, just stay woke on, like, these play-in teams. Usually one of these play-in teams makes a run to the second weekend. Yeah. So – one of the teams of Belmont, yep. Temple, St. John's, and Arizona State, you're gonna pro- they're probably making a run. Just because if you look at w- the stats from previous years, I think I think it's been like over half of the years a team has made a run to the f- second weekend. So it's possible that one of these teams is making a run. Oh, I just wanted to cap off on not to say something completely unrelated to what yeah, you yeah, just no, said, no. but the LSU-Yale thing, I thought, was, oh, do you have something on that, Chris? Yeah, I actually am going to say that. So Arizona State, who's the coach at Arizona State? Bobby Hurley. And what team did he coach? <laughs> oh, from before? Yeah. Uh, who? I have uh, no idea. I think he coached <laughs> Buffalo. Buffalo. And who's... Uh, <laughs> oh, there they are, number six. Isn't so, that do you think this is our? Th- what, so, there's a pro Hurley agenda in the in the committee, or is well, this just I mean, another? I don't know. I think it's just interesting on a Wednesday night that we'd want the New York City TVs tuned into that <laughs> game in the first four in Dayton, yeah. and then a possibility that Bobby Hurley's coaching against his own team in the first mm. round. Mm. Mm. Did not know that. Okay. Yeah. That's, That's interesting. That is interesting. But I wanted to say one thing about like the Yale LSU thing. Okay. There are a lot of these. There are usually like four or five like really trendy kind of not based on anything because once you broke it down, like there's really no reason to think Yale should beat LSU other than kind of like the storylines you concoct in your head for yourself. And your they themselves. have won a game recently. In the no, NCAA. and they have. Uh, right, yes. Right, right. But I feel like there's always one team like an LSU. Maybe you're looking at a Texas Tech. One of these seeds, these four to threes that get overlooked but end up being fine. And I wonder if you're making your office pool bracket or whatever, you may be tempted to just pick the Yale because it's kind of fun. Maybe the pro, like the cost benefit to doing that, unless you think it's a team that's going to make a Sweet 16 run. Right, right. Like maybe the cost benefit to doing that isn't so high. So I, you know, I've, I've been trying to think about that this year because I've been prone to doing that in All the right. past. And to wrap up, let's talk about UMD because you touched on them for a little bit and you're a little worried about Belmont. Can you just go off on Turgeron? Because, like, you've been talking about him. You're adding extra con- consonants again. It's Turgeon. Turgeon, Turgeron, Turgeon. <laughs> and Ogeron, Turgeon. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turgeon. All right, so Mark Turgeon. Go Dips. Exactly. So Mark Turgeon, what, I mean, what are your thoughts on him, <laughs> like, just so in general? I'll preface it with this. I'm not. I've been a sports fan now for, for years and years and years. I'm not a huge guy who, like, cares about the coach that much i've just i'm pretty loyal to my guys like Mm -hmm. in that in that way as a sports fan turgeon just can't make an adjustment to save to 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 save his life he just has nothing in his bag of tricks he famously uh this this year after they lost to purdue early in the game they had a uh 
an end of game situation where he then said, I haven't had a chance to install any out of bounds plays. <laughs> I mean, the guy is a great recruiter who just who just oh, can't make an adjustment. Man. And that's why I'm scared of the funny thing is they have a lot of talent and they're very solid. They're 27th in offense, 22nd in defense. There are very few teams as you look at that, like not top 10, 15 range that have uh both an offense and the d- and a defense in, in the top 30. So on paper, they look really good. I just do not trust, you know, uh, teams that go to a zone against us mid-game or start to trap, uh, you know, those kind of wrinkles. I'm not confident this team can handle those. And th- also, they're one of the youngest teams in the country to, to kind of put that, to put things into perspective a little bit. But, you know... <sighs> At this point, there's such a pattern to all their losses, and that's kind of the thing that concerns me, and that's a hallmark of bad coaching. When you're losing in this, when all of your losses are in kind of the same fashion, that that's not a good sign to me. And, you know, I think it needs to go. They're not going to do it because we'll, we'll see. If they make it to the Sweet 16 or something and are playing in, in a D.C. crowd against uh, Michigan State, I mean, all is forgiven. But... Uh, I don't think you're going to see him really get fired even if they lose in the first round because they just fired their football coach. They're, you know they can't I mean? afford you can't the, money. the money. Turmoil. And th- he's brought in a lot of good guys. Jalen Smith has been up and down, but he's a possible future NBA lottery was the top pick. He, wasn't he a five-star guy? Yes, yeah, McDonald's All-American, right, right. you know. Uh, so, yeah, I yeah, kind of yeah. ran out of steam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's give our picks for the East region in terms of who we have going – First, I Should want we do a lead eight and let's then do final a lead four? eight, lead eight, and then final four. So, Andrew, Chris, who do you guys have? Chris, you want to go first? Yeah, this this bracket's lame because it's Duke and it's January, February, Izzo, April. Yeah, I agree. I have Duke and Michigan State as well. Izzo's interesting. But in the past, they have had their share of first round upsets, but I just don't see it. Uh, you got your winner of Louisville, Minnesota. I actually like Minnesota in that game. I'm siding with the Patinos there, but I don't see them giving them much of a challenge. Minis- uh, Michigan State seen them in conference play. And then you got LSU, UMD, Yale, or Belmont Temple. Maybe a Belmont makes a run, and if even if they don't, and it's a UMD or LSU, I don't see it either. So, yeah. Yeah, Duke, I'm in agreement. Michigan State. I'm in agreement with you guys. I think it's Duke, Michigan State all the way. It seems pretty clear. I'm. I mean, whenever I get to this time of year, though, I'm just rooting for upsets as a non-partisan type of observer. So so I'm just – hopefully there's some upsets, but Duke, Michigan State, and I think Duke makes it to the Final Four. Uh, Do you guys have Final Four? I have Duke in the Final Four as well. Do you have Izzo? I've gone back and forth on this one. I – I want to take Michigan State. Yeah. I really, I, I really no, no. I I agree. There's a case them. for them for sh- for sure, but uh, so you're kind of. It's not in Sharpie. It's you not want, in Sharpie. You want Seth Davis? Yes. So it 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 might change Thursday, but tentatively it's in light legible red pencil. Um, Duke. So I guess all of us have Duke so far. Let's go to the West region. Uh, Gonzaga is the number one seed here as well. Um, we talked about Gonzaga, the Zags. Um. And like their chances of advancing with all the metrics that are in play, their weak conference scheduling or their conference and the vict- them being the victims of that. 
Do you guys see any other potential interesting games here um, or teams that could kind of give them a run for their money in this region? I think Syracuse is uh, – I do think they're going to beat Baylor, and I think that's going to be a tough game. Isn't Salt Lake City? Um, if that was Seton Hall, I'd be terrified because <laughs> they don't travel well at all across time zones or at altitude. But I think Syracuse could certainly give Gonzaga fits. The Hartford pod – John Morant, for me, is my own personal Sasquatch because I have heard so much about him and I have absolutely (laughs) never seen him play at all. I I haven't watched a game. I couldn't tell you what channel if they've ever (laughs) been on TV. I haven't watched Murray State at all. I have watched Marquette play a lot. Marquette got a horrible shake in the Big East tournament when they lost to Seton Hall. They got two of their players <laughs> ejected in exchange <laughs> for one. And really, the two players ejected were, their both, were both their best defensive players, Sakar Annam and Theo John. Um, they're really their stoppers. Um, I, I, look, I don't know anything about this team except for John Moran is good and he's supposed to be a lottery pick. Um, this like is a Marquette top team. three pick, possibly. And I keep hearing people's storyline is Marcus Howard against John Moran. Marcus Howard... I, I don't get it. Is he, I, like he's is he, good. Is he's good, but I, I don't get it. I love Sam Hauser. Sam Hauser is... Well, ironically, Sam Hauser is much more of an NBA prospect than Marcus Howard, who's 5'10". <laughs> <five foot ten. laughs> <laughs> well, in this matchup, you know, all he's like I five hear nine. is Moran. He's listed at like 5'11". He's probably like 5'9". With his shoes on. Right. All I hear is, it's going to be Moran Howard. You can't wait to, to watch this. And... Uh, Marquette's, Marquette's a pretty complete team. They got a tough shake in the Big East tournament. I think their fans are upset. that They definitely thought that they were going to finish ahead of Villanova this year preseason um, for the regular season title, that is. Um, and and I, th- I think they, they can play well there in Hartford. Yeah, my only worry is, like, watching – I mean, I've watched a couple Marquette games, especially them versus Seton Hall, and, I mean, they haven't looked great. Like, Howard's, like he's, – he's been hurt. Like, he has that wrist injury that he's been struggling with. So, wonder if he'll be okay coming into the tournament, especially with, like, I don't know. He just didn't shoot it well. He was, like, a 90% free throw shooter. He, was, he missed a ton of crucial free throws down the stretch in that Big East tournament game. So, I, I wonder what ends up happening there. That was the one, I would say, upset possibility. And then maybe St. John's. Arizona State Buffalo that's a possibility as well yeah I like the winner of that play in game to get to the sweet 16 regardless of who it is Mm. uh Buffalo's an interesting they caught some people by surprise last year they're offensively they shoot the three uh very well and at a high clip so you know you could get hot and make a run there maybe we're overlooking them a little bit I don't really buy Texas Tech they had won nine straight uh before their loss in the in the big 12 tournament but uh, one of those teams, again, that I, they're great defensively, but I'm just afraid of them uh, not being able to shoot in a game and, and losing. You love talking about Ken Palm splits, and there we have Texas Tech, 36th in offense, number one in defense. Sometimes yep. in the tournament, you just need to score the rock. I don't know if they can. So, yeah, I'd probably agree with you on those 11 seed line teams. I don't even know if I have a pick in that Arizona State-St. John's game, um, but I think either of them 
Whoever wins that can can certainly do big damage. This is John Rothstein's bracket of sizzle because of all the NBA prospects. <laughs> and I'm looking down at the bottom. I don't like Nevada. I don't like Nevada because I don't like them. Uh, I don't like <laughs> Musselman. I just don't like. I don't like that team at all. What about the Twins? <laughs> what about the Twins? I don't, twin I don't like that team at all. I don't like Musselman and his stupid polo. I don't like. Do you all know those what seniors. the average age of starters on Nevada is? Twenty six. <laughs> it's twenty three, <laughs> which is absolutely insane. Yeah, they're. Yeah, they're the senior citizens of this region, obviously. I mean, looking at Michigan, I, d- I don't have a great feel on this team. They, it seemed like they made that national um, championship final run last year, and it seems like they're doing more of the same. I, I don't know if maybe, Andrew, you have a better feel on them because they're in the Big Ten, played UMD, you get to see yeah, them a little well bit more. Yeah, well, it's funny because as a Big East casual fan i like marcus howard a lot i uh-huh. you know i've watched him in a few games and i think he's a fun scorer i think people see kind of like people maybe go gaga over like the idea of like kind of a steph curry you know what i mean that's sh- un- slightly undersized and although steph curry wasn't necessarily undersized but the kind of that guard who can just get really hot i think maybe he that in that scene hall game he was bogged down by injury but i i i kind of like watching his game a lot but i i wouldn't be surprised if the racers racers win in that game in terms of michigan you're right i i think I have a good I like to think I have a good feel for the Big Ten, but Michigan's just a weird team for me. I mean they're fifth in Kemp Bomb, so that that's kinda good. They're one of these teams that's really uh that's really good defensively. Offensively they're a little bit worse. I just it's tough because I see them as a very so- I just see them as solid, but I I'm looking if you go to the final four you usually have that one guy who's like kind of breaking out and I'm not sure I see it for them Simpson their point guard gets a lot of love and he's fun to watch to me if they are gonna come out of this bracket it's gonna be because John Teske is really lighting it up that's kind of (laughs) kind of what I think he's their big man yeah and but I'm not sure I have him in the elite eight but uh I don't necessarily feel great about it it's mostly due to me not seeing anyone else on that great so Guys, let's make our picks for the West Elite Eight and then give our final four pick. Once again, we didn't talk about Florida State. And it's been the story for them the entire season from every national pundit. No one talks about Florida State. They went to the Elite Eight last year. They, they have a solid team again this year. They did well in the rugged ACC, and no one is talking about them. And they ended up losing to a really, really good Duke team yes. in the ACC championship. Yes. So I'd take Florida State. It's very funny. Uh, I think I have in pencil right now uh, Gonzaga losing to Syracuse, and I actually like either Cuse or, or Florida State to come out of this region. I, I haven't decided Funny that yet. you guys say that because I had Florida State as well. But I, but <laughs> so we didn't we, we talk did about plan it, this. but we all liked it. <laughs> did so not, did not plan this at all. But Florida State in, uh, to, make to make it to the lead eight. And in this other, other side of – the I guess the West, I I didn't have a great feel on it because I do think that the eleven seed's gonna make a run mm-hmm. to the Sweet Sixteen, and I think that really just opens things up for Michigan. So that's why I had Michigan. Yeah, uh, going there. No, I think that's totally reasonable. I had Michigan on the other side of the bracket as well. I I'm just nervous about them them possibly 
faltering. I see. I like Florida to come out of that seven ten, and if Florida's kind of kind of playing well, I I'm I'm a little bit nervous there. But you know, I I agree. I think once they get past them, it, it should be a pretty the winner of that seven ten game. It should be a pretty easy road. We seem to all be in agreement that we we don't like Texas Tech coming out of those bottom yeah. two pods. Do you roll the dice there on Northern Kentucky knowing absolutely nothing about them? <laughs> I think it's one of those things that the thing I said before, it's it's certainly possible, but that I feel like one of these three fours is going to do well. I, I don't see the point there. They're going to be 15 and a half point underdogs. Well, I, I, if you'd have them lose in the, in the next round anyway, I guess I guess go for it, but... I don't know. It is funny that we all don't like Texas. You know what? The it's just also the Big Twelve. It's like, eh, I, I don't know. Any none of these teams are particularly enticing. Do we like any team out of the Big Twelve? Texas Tech, Kansas. Every pundit is completely down on Kansas. They're right. a trendy upset pick in the first round. K State, uh, Iowa, Iowa State. I, I Iowa State. I think maybe the team I like the most, but uh. The problem, you know, the problem with them is they were going to run into a Houston team possibly in the second round that I really like a lot also. Right. I think Iowa State and K-State are maybe the two teams that maybe – those are the two teams that we should look out for. Kansas is that one team. I'm not exactly sure. But for the West, I think it's Florida State and Michigan. And I, I kind of like Florida State, but I don't – I'm not exactly sure whether uh, – this is where it's like a tough one to put that like when it's time to actually hit the submit button or whatever. Yeah. And then I'm going to get in there if they lose in that, you know, if they get thrashed in that second round game against whoever. And you're just like, well, fuck, I, I, yeah, like my myself pick, I, I overthought it. You know, it's possible. But I don't know. I think it's worth it. Maybe it's worth kind of getting a feel for what other people if the Zags are an obviously trendy pick, I think it's probably a good idea to go against that. Maybe. All right. So final four picks out of this out out of the West region for you guys. Right now, I I'm tor- I have I'm thinking about Q's in Florida State, but I don't know if it if I'm actually gonna do it or not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I don't know. Back to back, uh, back to back elite eight runs. Do they have it in them, Leonard Hamilton? And he's 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 really nervous about these spreads. You can just ask Dana Jacobson about that. Uh, <laughs> Michigan at the bottom. <sighs> I don't know. Th- th- this uh, Nevada because they can make deep runs, and I get that they're old as hell, and I don't like Musselman. I just thought the Mountain West was down. It was just it yeah. was it was down. UNLV is not what they were. Utah State, the only other team in besides that. I mean, you're playing Air Force. They were. There really were not a lot of good teams in the Mountain West this year. There was not a lot of resistance. And they had and a lot they, of hype coming into this year because of like the run that they made. Yeah, and, and they brought pretty much everybody back. The they only lost four games this year. Yeah, yeah. right. So it's not like True. they. Yeah, they they had a good season. It's just I don't know. It, maybe they're a little. S- underseeded flying under the radar. Yeah, maybe we'll That's look a, stupid when yeah. they're in the Sweet 16 or whatever, 25 in Kempom. That puts them right about where they should be seeding-wise. Mm. So, all right, let's go to the South region. Now, in the South region, we talked about UVA ad nauseum yep. during, uh, in the first half of the podcast. So, we're not going to really touch them. Is, is there any other team? I talked about K-State a little bit. Oregon's been a pretty trendy upset pick. Um, over w- Wisconsin because of 
their success in the Pac-12 tournament, all that type of stuff. Villanova, Chris, you seem pretty high on Villanova, especially with them. It's seemingly being a l- slightly underseeded, possibly. And I'm, it's not that I'm in love. I'm not in love with Rick Barnes in Tennessee at all. So it's I, I could kind of see Villanova. This is m- this is where someone has to hold me back and be like, Kevin, take off your Big East bias and your biggest Big East colored glasses and – Villanova's not what they are from last year. So. Chris, say your piece on Nova, <laughs> and then I'll give my There's There's take. no bias here. This is my lock of the millennium. I think they're five-point favorites. Villanova <laughs> is absolutely no, keep going, going on to this and then take I'll care of business against St. Mary's. It's not going to be a problem at all. St. Mary's just won their annual Super Bowl. Actually, the interesting dynamic is St. Mary's Gonzaga is much like Seton Hall Villanova in that Gonzaga is like Villanova, Seton Hall is like St. Mary's. And St. Mary's winning that game, winning the conference, that is such a huge win for them. And now they're coming back to the East. They're going to play basically how many alums are in the Boston, New York metro area for Villanova. They're going to play a road game in Hartford against Nova. There is no way after winning their Super Bowl that they are – I don't think they're even going to cover five points against Nova. Jay Wright's dialed. Lock of the Millennium, Nova, <laughs> Sharpie. <laughs> Kevin Wu, Sharpie Chris Cardone, I have St. Mary's over Nova in the uh. first round of the NCAA <laughs> tournament. Uh. <laughs> We're going to see this as we as we go on down to the Midwest region. Uh, right. And I actually have Oregon over K-State. I like, okay. I'm making a pl- push. I like conference tourney winners. I like teams that are playing their best basketball of the season. Right now, St. Mary's. 21st in offense per Kempom. Villanova, nothing special, 73rd. I don't trust their ability to play well if Pascal and Booth don't have it going. Uh, and I think I wanted to – Is this might be a good time to play this game. I know we're probably starting to run a little long, but we can do this quickly. This is a game called Guess That Conference. Okay? So we have Conference A, <laughs> Conference B, and Conference C. Top five teams, the three conferences are the American, the Big East, and the Pac-12. Conference, and it's top five teams per Kempom. Conference A has 26, 27, 50, 55, 64. That's the Big East. Yes. Conference B, (laughs) Houston, I'm sorry, 15, 32, 46, 62. That's the American. Conference C uh, is the – I just think it's hilarious how bad the back 12 is and that they still got three bids. (laughs) 43, (laughs) 51, 61. That's Oregon, Washington, and ASU. Oregon, I'll mention, actually highest in Kempom for the conference. And then 65 – and then 85, 88. Um. I don't think the Big East was very good this year. I think there are a lot of conferences as we go down the list, like you're mentioning the the, the West Coast, blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of just presuming to the, it's adding to this overall theory of maybe top heaviness. I just don't, I, I don't see the, I see the Big East kind of struggling in, in the tournament. So that this will be interesting because you have your Big East I, hat I, on. I watched the Big Ten should have gotten the fucking tournament in MSG. Uh, <laughs> way bigger national I, reach. I watched Seton Hall do this in 2016. I watched them slay their own personal dragon and then go across the country and get absolutely throttled. Yeah, that's they, true. They, the, they you you do like the <laughs> personal experience. I, yeah. I watch them slay their dragon, yeah. much like St. Mary's did, Yeah, and just get absolutely throttled yeah. and not focused yeah. across the country. And I just, I mean, it's, look, 
Like Rothstein says, it's the Fortune 500 company. I, it's not an anti-jinx Sharpie. That's right. my pick. <laughs> McLaughlin will definitely be But I actually have an pick. axe to pick with a few other teams. The team I have a big axe to pick with is Oklahoma. Oklahoma is 4-10 and ten in Quadrant 1 games. Yikes. That sucks. They suck. Ole Miss is good at the line, but I know nothing about them. I just know that. That's my leaking oil championship. I don't think either of them is going to be Virginia, so you can just flip a coin for that. I, yep. Oklahoma sucks. Screw them. Um, a lot of people are on Oregon. Oregon, Wisconsin. I'd like to get your takes on that one. Um, I Nail the peach basket to the freaking wall, and let's, let's call in Dr. Naismith. I'm taking Wisconsin, but I know Oregon's trendy, so let's hear it. No, it, I have Oregon, too. I was not that impressed by Wisconsin. Obviously, people love Hap. Uh, you know, it's, it's Wisconsin. I don't know what to tell you. I don't love the middle of the Big Ten, honestly. As someone who's watched the, as someone who's watched the kind of this conference and watched these teams beat each other up, I don't know if that's just a bias, though. Maybe all these teams are actually good and they were just beating up on each other. But I, I, I watched them get – they actually ended up making a comeback. But I've watched watched them get pretty solidly handled by uh, by um, by Maryland. But then I'm looking in, like, Wisconsin, they're third in adjusted defense in Ken Palm. Uh, they're 12th ranked in Ken Palm. So I don't know. Maybe it's w- – I could see them – being kind of one of these trendy upset picks that ends up doing well, b- and yet I don't like them, so I don't know what to say there. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in on the Oregon boat as well, yeah. but it, I think we'll There's no, but as I'm looking at it, there's not a lot to really support it's, it. Yeah, Other it's than, I think right. Oregon's playing well right now, and I'm in on conference champions, and that's that's kind of where I'm, where I'm going. Right. I, I mean, I think that's just... That's probably the argument that we would have to go with if yeah. we're trying to have something to support Oregon over Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, and I think, I think the seed discrepancy between a five and a twelve, it's not as big as that. It's it's not as big as it looks on the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Oregon's going to be able to kind of surprise people, and it's going to be a lot closer than it looks. Maybe they don't pull it off, but it's going to be a lot closer. I, I mean, I, I don't want to take away anything from Dane Altman. He, he's done a good job this year. They lo- He lost his big man, Bull Bull. They got a local kid on that team, Lewis King. Um, since 1985, only five times has a 12 failed to beat a five. But it's happened, the fives getting the sweep done. Yeah, it's happened more 15 and right? last year. Yeah. So yeah. they have been getting the sweep done even though that does seem to be a susceptible matchup. Yeah, so it's, yeah, and traditionally the 5-12, usually you have at least one 5-12 upset in the in the bracket, or the 6-11s have become a lot more trendy now just because of the way the 11 seeds are seeded. Usually those are the bottom of the barrel, um, ma- like, what's it called, um, at-large bid teams. And they get kind of like this renewed sense of, oh, we have this second chance. And then they end up taking out a six seed. So maybe St. Mary's ends up pulling that off on Villanova. I mean, I actually kind of do like Nova getting to the Sweet 16. But maybe that's just me being biased. Um, And I would say stay woke on Cincinnati because um, I think – it's a possibility, <laughs> and, and Chris just made a face, so maybe we could let him go. But um, not that I have him over Tennessee, but I think that second-round game will be interesting. 
is Iowa playing their personal arch nemesis Rutgers? Oh no, they're playing an actual <laughs> good team. Oh, this could be a problem. And they're playing an hour and a half from their campus. That could be an even bigger problem. Iowa is going to get throttled. That's my second lock. They suck. They Iowa flat sucks. Out suck. I I actually agree. As a terrible. watcher of the Big Team, uh, as a watcher of the Big Ten, Iowa sucks. Iowa sucks. And my friend Mike Body, I was reaching out to him. He's he's a college basketball fan, and I was asking him about American conference teams, and he says he thinks Cincinnati could make some noise. I agree with you. I'm not a big fan of Rick Barnes. I don't have it, but I could see I could see Cincy over Tennessee in the in the second round. I could see it, but that's yeah. I, I don't know if I'll be brave enough to pull the trigger. I like McCronin as a coach in those underdog situations. Like last year when they were a two, I was more skeptical, but I don't know. You never know. I'm starting to pretty much bullshit at this point. I like Purdue a lot, though. Um, even though, but it's stupid because I'm going. They got upset in the Big Ten tournament, but I just think Carson Edwards is going to play like a man on a mission, and I could see him being kind of one of these players that like just lights it up and carries his team uh, to. And the lead eight run on his own merit. Right. So lead eight picks and then final four picks for you guys. Who do you guys have? Um, I have UVA and Purdue, and I'm right now leaning towards UVA. I I think I've quelled enough of my fears, and I actually, you know, what's interesting. I think a lot of people in your uh, average office bracket pool are going to look at UVA and be like, didn't they lose to a 16 seed last year? And write them off. And pick a Tennessee as a trendy upset pick, and then Tennessee gets knocked out in the second round. So I like UVA. I have UVA on the top. In the bottom, I I do like Nova. Now, Cincy, Tennessee, if we get that, that's it. I haven't watched a lot of Tennessee this year. The game that, that I did watch, that interested me was that game against Vanderbilt. It was at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, mm. a horrible year this year in the SEC. Just got unlucky with injuries. Yeah, they had a talented freshman class, but just unlucky with the injuries. Their uh, Darius Garland ends up going out early in the season. So still uh, could be a high pick, Garland. Right, right. Um, but Tennessee played terrible against Vanderbilt. But Grant Williams made every free throw. He was like 20 of 20. He he won them the game. They would have absolutely lost if he missed any of those free throws. Uh, he was literally 20 of 20. If not, he might have taken more than 20 free throws. And that, of course, helps down the stretch. But, you know, Cincy with the draw in Columbus, that is nice. I would be. I'd be happy about that. So, I don't know. I might have. I'm thinking about. Cincy, and then that Villanova-Purdue matchup in the second round that I told you is a lock <laughs> coming out of there. I don't know. I, I, I like a high seed out of here. I don't know. Villanova or Cincy, it could have. Then they have a shot to take down Virginia. Okay. All right. I have UVA. I think I think UVA is my final four pick here in this region. And, and I think it goes along with the reasoning of – last year's failure i think it's gonna play into the storyline i think it's gonna make for a good story and i think what you were saying andrew about a ton of people just being out on them i think it it'll be a really good popular like underground popular pick in terms of them going against the grain of all these other people trying to be like oh you uva lost last year so maybe we should just choose against them so i have uva as my final four pick Please don't disappoint me, Tony Bennett. <laughs> um, and make <laughs> the some pack line and never m- fails. And make some threes, Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome, and I, I just hope they do well. And then coming out of the bottom, this one, this is such a toss up for yeah, me. Yeah, this is a like this might be the toughest like individual kind of pod in the entire 
Such tournament. a toss-up. I mean, like, I, the Nova magic is kind of n- You nice guys both like Nova, so just fucking say Nova. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think, yeah, and I, I don't know, maybe tennis. Uh, I have no idea. Like, I literally have no idea. But I, I'm pretty certain that Virginia is going to be the final four pick. Kevin has Virginia Nova in the Elite Eight. Let's work <laughs> that down and move on. I just want to put one pin in a final thing before we put the South to bed. The two teams from California that made the NCAA tournament are St. Mary's and UC Irvine. Mm. Mm. That's mm. nice. UCLA, USC. <laughs> Hashtag Pac-12 after dark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the Midwest region. Um, this is, I mean... Chris. This is my favorite region. Just looking at stuff like just the potential well. of stuff of stuff to happen. I mean, oh le- yeah, yeah. Let's we'll just, just let set him go. Yeah, let's just set it up for Chris. I mean, Chris, seven ten matchup right here. Wofford versus Seton Hall. Like on the face of things, Wofford, you're just like, oh, they're a seven seed. This they is cheered, right? This they is cheered big time in Spartanburg. I don't know if you watched. I that. know hometown of Zion Wa- Williamson, by mm. the way. Um, they cheered when they saw Seton Hall up there. What I'm saying is, I think traditionally, if it's like one of these mid-majors that are ranked higher than a coming from a Power 5 conference type of deal, it's like, oh, Seton Hall is a favor- favorable matchup against Wofford. They're, Wofford's a pretty talented team. They've only, I think they've only had like four losses all year, correct? Well, let's just jump right into it when they've played high major teams because Seton Hall is a high right. major team. Right, right. South Carolina, they ran them off the floor. They beat them by 20. Yeah. That Colonial was life win. was half dead. I mean, there was it was it might have been a 50% crowd. UNC lost by 11. This is going to be a common theme. Mississippi State at the hump, they lost by 11. And OU, who I already told you sucked, they lost to them by 11. So they don't really have a good track record. They're one and four against high major teams this year. They can shoot the lights out. The kid Fletcher McGee, I mean, he's he's unbelievable. He already has more threes than Curry and Redick, and he's two away from the all-time record for threes. Yeah, yeah. He's like J.J. Redick reincarnated. That's what I've heard. So I, that's the worry for me, and whether or not Miles Powell can keep up. And, like, it just seems – like, my worry about this Seton Hall team, and it's been throughout the whole year, is are they going to be able to get other things from other people? Because Powell's pretty much guaranteed 20, whatever – like, wherever he is. Like, he's going to get his 20 or so. It's whether or not the role players are going to be able to step up, and I'm pretty concerned about it. By the way, I was ripping uh, Kevin Willard last year or a couple years ago with the coaching job that he was doing. Like, why can't he get this talented group of, of players, especially that senior class last year, to to go into greater heights? Thought there was a possible Sweet 16 run. I I don't know. And, and I was ripping him, and then he comes out with this season, and – the job he's done this season has been incredible with the team he has. Like, that team should not be in – I don't think this team should be an NCAA team. Um, I wanted to just go off that real quick. Right. I, I'm not a huge Seton Hall – you know, I've, I've enjoyed watching them this year, and I'm rooting for them to do well. Both of my parents went to Rutgers. I grew up rooting for Rutgers, including Rutgers basketball, and really hated Seton Hall. Hated Kevin Willard, loved Mike Rice. 
Kevin Willard's an incre- a great coach. I love Kevin Willard. I love how much of a psycho he is on the sidelines. He's a solid he gets, college basketball He coach. gets the most out of his players. He makes adjustment. Every time they cut to him in the huddle, he's saying something insightful. He's picking stuff out. I, I like... I really like what he's what he's done a lot and wanted to definitely commend his work this season. Right. As so well. I was wrong about him. I was wrong about him. My only worry about this game is if Miles Powell goes cold in the first half, who's going to be the player to step up in his place? And and th- that's the worry. I don't know who that second guy is for them. I'd rather talk about Wofford's defense. And, and if I'm Kevin Willard, Kevin Willard, one thing that people need to know about him is he watches a lot of film, a lot of film. And he's going to immediately go to those four power conference games. I want to see what Wofford's like on the defensive end against high major teams. Mm. Can they defend? Because, listen, see, no one can put on the floor. Okay, I don't know about Fletcher McGee. If he can put on the floor, look, I get it. He's got an NBA quick release and shoots at over a 40% clip from three. But he's going to have Quincy McKnight or Shavar Reynolds on him all game. All game. And sh- Q can shut down anybody. He can shut down pretty much anybody. He wants he, he when he sees the other team scouting report, who's the best guard on the other team? I'm defending him. That's right. his mentality. I think on offense for Seton Hall, I need to actually look at Wofford because yes, we need players like Mamu or Miles Kale to have good games if if Seton Hall expects to win. But what kind of defense can Wofford play against a high major team? Because they haven't had that much success against the high majors for Seton Hall. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to have Quincy McKnight in particular and Shavar Reynolds probably spelling him. They're going to have to chase Fletcher off the three-point line. But they have a guy that's a lot like Delgado, actually. Angel Delgado, former Kareem Abdul-Jabbar winner from Seton Hall. <laughs> Same build. He's like 6'8", 250. He's like rock solid. Bruno Fernand. Oh, wait, no, sorry. <laughs> Keep going. Keep He's a rock solid guy on their front line. And, you know, I worry. I see a lot of games where Wofford, you know, they, they go eight deep. And if if foul trouble is a problem for that's them, what I was going to Willard has up flexibility yep. to make adjustments. Torian Thompson said he, he maybe goes much possibly. He's <laughs> he will transfer somewhere <laughs> after this year. Um, but really for Seton Hall, yeah, Kevin Willard, ha- this is his best coaching job yet. Um, my fun stat for Seton Hall is they have been on national TV. This will be their sixth time, and on national TV, I mean channel two, four, five, seven. I don't mean your cable network. I'd like to compare that to two other teams, one being Maryland. Maryland was on 2457 twice this year, and this one is oh so sweet. UConn once. Oh, they've been. And in terms bad. of building a brand, and when someone sees Seton Hall and says, oh, that's the team I remember beating Kentucky, that's because you're on Channel 5. Hmm. That's because you're on Channel 2457. And to have six opportunities to do that is priceless. It's priceless. And uh, to kind of go off of that, what I was kind of scrolling through Twitter um, during Seton Hall's big games against Villanova, against Marquette, and a lot of people were just like, who's this Miles Powell kid? And I love him because he just, like, pulls up from 30 feet, and, like, he's a fun player to watch. So it it would be fun to see Seton Hall versus Kentucky in that second-round Game is this the only rematch? Is this the only second round rematch of all the possibilities? It actually might be. That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we'd have to kind of go through that and scroll through, but it seems like it might be the only second round rematch. But it's, I don't know. I, I find it fascinating that they put him here in this 10 seed because we're talking pre before the, uh, the bracket was released. We're like, 
oh, they played way too well. They're going to be an eight or a nine seed now, play one of the one seeds and not really not have a realistic chance of making it out. They beat Kentucky this year, albeit it was like uh, all these circumstances coming together. It was a crazy game. And you know Calipari is going to really coach him up in that game. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how, if Seton Hall makes it through to the second round, what Willard does in terms of possible changes into the game plan, accounting for what how Kentucky's looked um, recently. Yeah, I mean, so many people were, were fouling out in that Kentucky game, which went in overtime. Uh, the Torian Thompson ended up playing quite a few minutes in that game. He obviously is not a factor and doesn't play really for Seton Hall at all and will transfer at the end of the season. Um I, I really I don't see how they can be Kentucky <laughs> twice. It, that's yeah, just yeah. The, the You're, it's like almost asking for way too much, but hopefully they beat Wofford and kind of give us the excitement of seeing something like that happening. I mean, I feel like as a Seton Hall student, I'm kind of obligated to just kind of give them that first round win and then see what they can do in the second round. I'll be rooting for the upset, obviously, but I have Kentucky obviously going through. Any other matchups as we move on that are fairly intriguing? There's a couple that I see that are that I would say are fascinating. Kansas Northeastern, Kansas. That's a really trendy like upset pick. Kansas has kind of lost a couple of their players. Legerel Vic, he's been he's out for the season. Uh, Doke, he's been out for the, he's he's out as well. So they've lost two key rotation guys. Um, in their lineup, so that's a possibility. Um, but potential Kansas City Sweet 16 matchup with North Carolina. So that would be really fascinating if they're able to get to the second weekend. North Carolina's there. Could you imagine Roy Williams coming back home to Kansas City, Kansas, playing his old team? That I, I think that's what the hope is, and it would be really exciting to see. That won't happen because Auburn. <laughs> I like Auburn a I do lot. Like Auburn. I like Auburn a I lot. Like Auburn. You didn't even mention that guy. Uh, I don't know if you did Azabuki for for Doke. Kansas. Yeah, he, Doke. Oh, yeah, is that was his yeah. first name? Yeah, is? yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, I like Auburn a lot. Um, I don't know. why I was cutting in on you for that. I'm also really intrigued by Houston uh, in this yeah, region. Did Mike Body, your AAC expert, give any insight into yes. that yeah. team um, that I've never he, watched? He did give me some insight. He actually Kelvin Sampson led team, right? That's okay. This is why is that why I'm just seeing like the studio show with uh fucking Clark Kellogg and and just being like Kelvin Sampson back to the Elite Eight. Uh, who would ever thunk it? I just love it. Uh, I I, <laughs> I love the. Uh, I just close my eyes and I see that he thinks he has. They they have a nice line to the Sweet Sixteen. I agree. I don't love Ohio State that much recurring theme of me not liking these Big Ten teams. Iowa State, a team that's kind of red hot right now, that they frighten me. But, uh, okay, so here's the interesting thing. About he says very solid defense, but their offense can disappear at times, was, was his take on that. But here's the interesting thing about Houston. In this new net stat, they're fourth. That's, real, that's just really interesting to me. They're 15th in Ken Palm. I don't know. I see this. W it's the it's an unproven metric, but I'm just seeing this like drastically overranked kind of this drastically overranked team, and I'm looking at it. I I'm looking at Kentucky, 
who I've watched a decent amount and I like, but I, I would have liked to see them win the SEC before I was like maybe picking them out of this bracket. I'm just looking at Houston. I'm like, maybe there's an inefficiency here that that I can exploit that not a lot of people are gonna have. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people aren't gonna be choosing Houston because, like Chris just said, who's watched Houston yeah. in the AAC? Like, that's where I think that's a possible inefficiency to exploit, where a lot of people are probably gonna be out on them. I wouldn't even be surprised if people have them losing to Georgia State. Yes, Ron Hunter. Yep, like, sure brought that magic from a couple years ago with his son. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if if they had a lot of people have them losing. But What about North Carolina? We haven't even talked about North Carolina. Yeah. I wanted to tee Chris up because I also want to hear his Utah, his Utah State take. I know he had some Utah State stuff. Yeah, I like Utah State a lot. I like Sam Merrill. They were the best team in the Mountain West, clearly, over Nevada. They won the tournament. They're actually, that's a tournament winner that I actually do like. That's kind of rare normally when I think these teams are slaying their dragons like a St. Mary's or even an Iowa State to that matter. Hmm. I don't know about that Ohio State game. That might be a tough pick. I think that's a little closer to a 50-50 than some people would. I don't know what the line is. Oh, it's six points for the Cyclones. Um, what else did I want to say? Kansas, right? Yeah, no. Well, they're leaking oil because they're missing two starters. I don't see Northeastern. Again, we're going to Salt Lake. We're going to the altitude. I think Kansas is going to take care of Northeastern, although Northeastern had to beat a very good Hofstra team. That was a really good Hofstra team that they beat to win the CAA. New Mexico State, that's my Paul Feinbaum award. Ain't played nobody. I think they've got like zero losses. They haven't played a single team. They might have played a D2 schedule this year for all <laughs> I know. I think we we could see that fourth. I don't know. New Mexico, I mean, they have played no one. If they beat Auburn, that is probably their first high major win of the entire season. Northeastern, I look, Kansas, I get that they're missing two starters. I don't know how they're going. They're, I just I just love not being at sea level. So <laughs> let's just let's just see how, how Northeastern does there. North Carolina, spoiler alert, they're my eventual national champions. They're mm, playing oh, Iona. Okay. Ricky McGill's our senior leader. We got local flavor if you're in the area. Asante Gist, he's an Eastern Kentucky transfer, played on Roosevelt Catholic and St. Anthony's, won two tournament of champions in high school with two different teams. I don't know if we've ever had that before. And Isaiah Still, that's a Roselle Catholic and Union Catholic guy hmm. on the squad. So a little local flair, and hey, maybe they'll cover 25 points. <laughs> Go Gals. But yeah, UNC, I got them coming out of the Midwest. Uh, Kentucky, with Abilene Christian, they've got God on their side. Uh, they're down <laughs> 22 <laughs> points. I don't know. They <laughs> freewheeling here a little bit as we get to the end, trying to keep the people in it. Um, My big concern <laughs> with UNC is that Roy Williams might be. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I really like Cam Johnson, UNC. It's kind of funny after all the guys that they recruited is transferred from Pittsburgh as their best player. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I like Kobe Kobe White a lot. Uh, he's been fun to watch. Kobe White's been good. So Chris is really high on UNC, obviously. I have UNC, and then uh, I think I'm going to have Houston in that in that Elite Eight. So are we doing our Elite Eight picks? Yeah, yeah. So you have Houston and UNC? Yeah. What about and UNC making it out? Yeah. And you have UNC and who, Chris? Uh, the Kansas thing scares me because they, they are missing two starters, but they've got a good draw, I think, because I, I don't see Northeastern beating them. Of course, now they're going to beat them. And then Auburn, New Mexico. <sighs> that game's in Salt Lake. So who's, who's even going to be at that game? Auburn, <laughs> Kansas. Who's even going to be at that game? 
Jazz fans. All right. And then they go to KC. But I've got Carolina coming out, so who cares? Look, you pick that Salt Lake pod, whatever your heart, whatever is to your heart's content, down in Tulsa. Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen it. You know what? I like Chris Holman. I like Chris Holman. <laughs> Get Ohio State <laughs> out of that pod. But I think they're going to run into the Kentucky buzzsaw. I, th- I think they're playing well. Seton Hall, is that's technically an upset to be offered. Yeah. Yep. So you have chalk there. Folks, I have the disgraced, the formerly disgraced coaches bowl in the Elite Eight here. I have Auburn and Houston. Oh I like Auburn no. to make a run to the Final Woo! Four. Listen, folks. North Carolina is, per the metrics, the most underseeded number one. They, they're sixth in Kempom. Auburn's 13th in Kempom as a five seed. Houston's number three. I just like the play of, when I'm looking at the chalk, the idea of, here's the other thing. I like Duke and UVA now. I don't, sometimes I can, for, like, fake myself out with this. I don't think three, eight, three one uh, ACC, right. three one seeds and three ACC teams are making it the final four. So I'm taking my shot there with, with teams I think might get hot and teams that are kind of bunched up as proven metrics where maybe I'm buying a couple percentage points. Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, so final four-wise, it seems like, I mean, honestly, I have Duke winning it all. Yeah, I, so I think I. I'm just going talent all talent just like and it's basically zion like if zion doesn't get hurt i think they're winning like i think they're steamrolling through um and it'll be like no one really scares me on the other side in the west um west region for duke um for them to have a potential loss no one like I don't even know. Like, maybe Syracuse scares me if they're 2-3 is effective and Duke just kind of lo- can't shoot the ball at all. That's the one team that will probably scare me the most, and they're an 8 seed. So, I, other than that, I think Duke kind of rolls into the championship game, and I think it's UVA, and it's going to be ACC all-ACC type of matchup affair, and I have Duke. Yeah, I guess I'm with the heels. I, I got the vertigo. I'm 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 enjoying it. I'm enjoying the <laughs> loves life. the vertigo. I feel like I was on the teacup. <laughs> <ride or laughs> yeah, no, I've 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 got the rush. But I think again, if you're if you're a person putting this this bracket in, filling it out, and you're in a pool of 200 people, if you're like me or you're like Kevin, even with Duke, you you really got to nail the rest yeah. of this bracket. So. No, it's a good point. It's interesting that we all like number one seeds. I like Duke. You like uh, you. Uh, Kev likes Duke. You like UNC, and it's tough. But I think we mentioned uh, just to hit that one more time. It's taking your shot here with someone else. You know, it, it's hard. Like I, I've done done it. I think I'm going to do it in the final four with Auburn. But you have to be confident because you look like a real schmuck when they lose in the second round. Ra- like when they get steamrolled in the second round, and you're sitting there with your dick in your hands. So, by the which same is a possibility. I can't wait to see you tuned into that Auburn Kansas game. It's all like I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be a barn burn. <laughs> Bruce Pearl's going to be stalking the sidelines, sweating it out. Have a gas me and mask. my boy, me and my boy Bruce. Pearl. I like Bruce Pearl a lot. And I just like, I once again, I, my idea over the years, I've done so many piecemeal kind of, I like the idea of having a unified theory to my bracket. I don't think it's that crazy. And I've chosen that I'm going to go with with kind of over overseeded metrics teams that I'm going to go with uh, conference champions. 
I'm in a pool where I get two brackets anyway, so I can do another one with a different right. kind of theory. That's kind of what I wanted to present here. I, l- I think it's good to have kind of look at trying a theme or something and, and try and pick something out as opposed to just... On the other hand, you know, I'll give one maybe to my sister and just have her pick some shit and out. She'll and probably she'll probably win. do better than me anyway. Yeah. yeah. And this is the thing. Take all the things that we've said with a grain of salt because the person that's probably going to win your bracket knows near nothing about college basketball and it is choosing because they like the colors or the mascots. Um, because my mom's won twice in her office pool and she... She probably can't name who Zion... She doesn't know who Zion Williamson is. So take that with a grain of salt. Take all the advice that we've given with a grain of salt. But I think there's a lot of interesting matchups. And this is the best time of the year. I I would say the first weekend um, of the tournament, this upcoming weekend, is probably one of my favorite sports weekends of the year. So I'm really going to be just plopping on the couch watching all the games so it'll be a lot of fun to do uh any are you wrapping this up here yeah yeah we've gone gone pretty strong yeah we're an hour and a half in so hopefully people aren't brain dead and aren't falling asleep listening to us drone on but chris andrew are there any other things that you guys wanted to say before we part um or any other types of questions that you guys wanted to pose. This podcast has made me even more excited for the end of this week. And, yeah, I fill out a bracket, but, yeah, it is the best time. Besides the team you root for, you know, I just like to kick back and watch the absolute mayhem that ensues. The first two days are fun. I always end up getting a little fatigued by the Sweet 16. I feel like it starts to roll around. But those first two days are are as good as anything else. And I wanted to close with this. I wanted to bring something full circle. And maybe you guys are going to look at me like an idiot. I didn't know this. So I'm watching brackets and Jay Billis is talking and he mentions something about the lawyers league and I'm like huh what he's a he has a JD from Duke University Law School did you know know that that? no I didn't know that I really did not know that and he's a smart guy so I was thinking about this non-GM lawyers in sports we have Jay Billis we have Mike Leach we have Mike Leach I was wondering if we have any more to add I don't know anymore who else uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning's coach John Cooper went to Cooley Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Interesting. Oh, interesting. That's another one of their esteemed alums. <laughs> right. So he was a public defender before he became a That's hockey coach. Very oh, noble. Wow. Very okay. noble. Do you have any more to throw no, in the mix I, there? I can't. I knew Jay Billis, but I did not. I didn't know anyone. And he others. still has a litigation practice. He's apparently of counsel to some firm down in North Carolina, which is interesting. Who's the referee, the NFL referee? Oh. Gene Starrett. Yes, who also refs a Big Ten basketball game. Right, games. right. Wow. Has a big time law firm in Arizona. He's not, is he? And w- isn't Hockley a lawyer? Oh, I'm sorry, Hockley is. Yeah, thinking. Steratore owns a janitorial supply company <laughs> in Pittsburgh, <laughs> and that has a, things in common with what Chris is going to end up doing after law school <laughs> and what he whatever. Yeah, so we'll be your future lawyers of America. So. Thanks, guys, for tuning in to this podcast. Maybe we'll get some reactions after the first weekend, maybe next week, kind of talk through about how our brackets have been blown up already. So maybe next Monday we'll reconvene and have this again. So all I want to say is thanks, guys, for coming back on and Chris's first time coming on. And um, I just want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. And if you guys haven't subscribed 
please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and all the other uh, podcast channels that we're on. Excited to have Chris back next week to talk about uh, the NBA, the greatest basketball league. The greatest. Go Knicks! (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.